This is episode four of One Page at a Time, The Development of Language with Sydney Brinkerhoff. Podcasting from Virginia and Dubai. This is One Page at a Time, where we bring you strategies and resources for using books in your home. We are your hosts, Jill and Amanda. Today, we have a great interview for you and resources to come at the end. So listen up for how you can get that. And we are talking with a great friend of mine here in Dubai. She is from the States, but she's become such a good friend on a personal level. She's just really fun to talk to. And you'll probably get that from the interview as well. She's just a really happy uplifting person to be around. And she's also been a great example and help for me with all kinds of things related to my kids. Because she's a behavior analyst, she has a lot of insight that I wish that I had. She's able also to just, she just has this tangible application for everything that you read in those parenting books. She can actually do it. And I, I don't read that many parenting books, but I imagine that everything that you read in a parenting book, she can just kind of do that. So anyway, she she's a great person. She's got a great interview with us about verbal behavior. And it's something that I have seen her use her skills so often with my kids And when she reads a book to a child, it is mind blowing. She really encourages me and I'm guessing everyone to go off script when you're reading a book and she can pull things out of books that I'm like, that's not even in the book, but it's so amazing. She turns books into multi-use devices. It's incredible which was like new information for me. I I love reading and I love the stories. And so for me, books so often are about that storyline. And so this concept of using books for something other than their storyline, like what, is that even okay? Is that is that allowed? <laughs> it was just was like, I felt like I was being given permission to do something so daring. Well, so she, okay. So let's take Llama Llama. Hopefully- Llama Llama is a pretty familiar book. So she can take Llama Llama Red Pajama. And when we were talking about this interview and kind of going through what we would say in it, she took Llama Llama Red Pajama and she opens up to the page that there are no words. And it's just Mama Llama there. And she pulled so many things out of that page with no words on it. And she's like, look, if you are trying to teach this concept, you could talk about this on this page. Or what if you're trying to emphasize this in your home? You could talk about this in this page. And I was like, but there are no words, Sydney. <laughs> she said, well, it doesn't, it doesn't have to, you can focus on different things in the book. And this interview is going to give us just a little bit of a head start to how you can do that. And since this interview, I have really started to look at other books that I really love 
like moo and one of our favorites i love moo so i can i can take these books and i can see them for so much more than face value they are deep but i want to talk about moo let's talk about moo can we talk about Moo? It really is one of our favorites. So Moo um, is a book that my family, my husband and I discovered at the the National Book Festival, which they have here in the States, here in Washington, D.C. I'm lucky that I live close to it. And they choose or each state can choose a book that kind of, you know, represents them. Or So for this one, the author was from Minnesota. My husband is from Minnesota. And so he was very excited to go to the Minnesota table and we found this book and we pulled it out. We just started reading it to our son and he laughed. He was probably a year old at the time and we've never seen him laugh at a book before. Like this was a new thing. I was flabbergasted. My one-year-old, he's not even one. I mean, he's like 10 months old and he laughs at Moo. <laughs> yes. Like this book that can get babies to laugh, but older kids love it too. That is why this book is magical. I laugh out loud when I read this book. It's a treasure. Everyone Everyone needs needs to. You recommended it to me and it's just, oh, I I mean, you always have good recommendations. You are like the recommendation queen. But I work hard Moo. at it. But everybody I've ever told Moo about has loved it. I've never had a negative response to Moo before. Such a good book. So we can't really tell you exactly what's in it because it's a spoiler, but Moo can be sort of difficult to imagine turning into a deep learning experience for your child. But if you apply the things that Sydney talks about in this episode, then you really can turn it into something, whatever it is that you want. And it's just one example. You know, how many times do you read the favorite books with your child. You know, you read this book 50 times and you can really take different things out of it and turn it into a different book. So I I think it's, oh, there's just so much good in this episode. So much good. There really is. And it's this information that as we were talking to Sydney, I I honestly was like, where was this like six years ago or not, not six years. So my oldest, he's six and he took a long time to learn how to talk. And he was my first. So I didn't know quite what was normal, quite what was abnormal. So we were getting to this point where I was like, okay, maybe we should start to worry. And I was trying to do research. I was trying to find out not just if something was wrong, but ways I could help him and see if maybe he just needed a little more encouragement to learn how to talk. And I couldn't really find anything that I could understand and that I could apply to our lives. And eventually he, um, we, we got speech therapy and he's doing great now, but where I was listening to Sydney and listening to this information and the resources that she's given us that we're able to give to you guys now is just would have been so helpful to me going through that and to be able to have this tangible thing to try and see if that would help him. And so I'm excited now that it's a thing and we can make it available to people. So glad. And it's something that we're excited to put at the beginning of our um, episode lineup. There you go. Thank you. So glad that it's something that we can put at the beginning of our episode lineup so that we give you guys a really good foundation start to applying these things that we're talking about in one page at a time. So I don't know. Should we get to the interview? Let's do it. Let's do it. Here's our interview with Sydney Brinkerhoff. Today's guest may have been born in the U.S., but we have become good friends while she's been living here in Dubai. She's been a go-to resource and a confidant for me, 
And perhaps I ask her too many questions about my kids while I try to survive the craziness of toddlerhood. But she's currently using her master's degree in special education with an emphasis in verbal behavior as she gains formal training in behavior analysis here in Dubai. She is absolutely amazing with kids, a lover of books and travel, and a true optimist at heart. Welcome, Sydney Brinkerhoff. Hi, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me and thinking of me. You are for sure one of the first people that I thought of because of your amazing experience and example to me interacting with all of the kids in the whole world. I'm pretty sure. They're just like, you're a magnet. They just are drawn (laughs) to you. And it doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter um, whether they may or may not have learning difficulties or it, it doesn't matter. The kids just love you and my kids love you. Every kid loves you and you are so knowledgeable. It's been an absolute joy to have you in my life from that perspective and as a friend. So I, I really appreciate that you're willing to come and join us here on the interview. I am excited for what we have in store. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Very excited. I love talking about verbal behavior. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> you kind of do all day. Yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's just get straight to it. You just mentioned what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about verbal behavior. So I have to ask, what is verbal behavior? Can you give us a little definition? Sure. So Verbal behavior, the technical definition is any behavior that is reinforced through the mediation of another person's behavior. Uh, But that's quite technical. That's a lot. But I can give you the gist. So basically, verbal behavior in 1957, this uh, psychologist, B.F. Skinner, came up with this idea that he wasn't too fond of how psychologists traditionally view language because traditionally language is viewed as more of an innate biological process that happens in our brains. Skinner disagreed with traditional theorists. And he said, but what about the environment? Doesn't the environment play a different role? And so he looked at language and he changed it from looking at language in form. So looking at the words and the sentences, and he viewed it as let's look and see what the function of words are. And let's put the meaning in the function rather than in the word itself. If that makes sense. It does. So he developed this then uh, verbal behavior. So he developed um, these things called verbal operants, and it's just different categories of language. And he says that this is how language develops, and uh, if we look at it through this way, through its function rather than its form, we can be so much more effective in teaching language to children, or to anybody, really. Okay, so you're basically saying that this was almost like the nature versus nurture. Skinner was saying, okay, yes, there is nature there, but there's also this nurture side and the environment has a lot to do with what's going on. And then he breaks down the environmental aspect of language learning. Is that, am I understanding? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he's not like ruling out nature entirely because of course, like we are born with, uh, like some of us have, we can use the vocal apparatuses that we're born with and other people who don't speak, who can't, vocally speak they weren't born with the same muscular features that we were or people who can vocally speak were 
So biology definitely does play a part in it, but he was saying the part that the environment plays is huge and we need to look at this because we can be more effective and we can make more changes through the environment than we can if we just say, oh, it's biology. Well, and that gives a whole lot more hope to everyone too, that if there's anything, yes, that we can actually change it. So is verbal behavior strictly verbal? No, that is an excellent question. A lot of people think verbal behavior is strictly verbal behavior, but what we call, you and I would call verbal behavior, behavior analysts actually call it vocal behavior. So when you're speaking using your vocal apparatus, we call that vocal behavior, but verbal behavior can also be using gestures or pointing or sign language, or if you use like a picture exchange communication device, that is all verbal behavior. So verbal behavior, like essentially short, sweet definition is communication. Okay. So communication with another person. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. With another person. And another little caveat that um, Skinner puts on there is that it's a person who's trained to respond to your communication. So if, let's say, you start speaking Chinese to me, I'm not going to be able to give you what you want. I'm not going to be able to respond to you because I don't know Chinese. So I'm not trained to respond to you. So what you're saying then is just sounds. It's not actually communication because I'm not getting the point that you're trying to make. Unless you start gesturing and I can figure out from your gestures, but then it's your gesture that is your verbal behavior. Okay. So Skinner developed this and this is a widely accepted methodology today. Yeah. In behavior analysis, it is anyway. But yeah, Skinner, he doesn't say that he just like came up with these out of nowhere. He says that these are the laws of nature and he just happened to figure them out. So he doesn't take credit for it at all. He just says, this is the laws of nature. And it's been proven like over and over again that, yes, this is how language develops and the function is very important. Okay. So when you say that it's how language develops, it's saying that Mm -hmm. we develop language throughout time. Is that what that means? Or that it's like a step-by-step process? What, What exactly do you mean by that? A little bit with time and a little bit with the process as well. So, um, I can break down for you the verbal operants because I think that might uh, help in understanding it just a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. There are six main uh, verbal operants that Skinner identified. It's the mand, the tact, the echoic, the intraverbal, the textual, and transcription. So I'll, sorry, I went through those fast, so I'll go through them quick and give definitions. So mand is just another word for request, so things that you ask for. A tact is when you identify what something is. So you say, um, it's just naming basically objects. Um, An intraverbal is when you respond to somebody else's verbal behavior. So it's like answering questions or sing-along songs, having conversations, things like that. Then the textual is reading. Transcription is writing. And I think, I don't think I said the echoic, but the echoic is you say something, I say the exact same thing back. So just repeating what somebody else has said. So language develops through these different verbal operants. It starts with man. So like when we're little, we cry because we want things. And like our moms, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this. You can generally tell like which cry means what, right? Like this cry means he's hungry. This cry means he wants a diaper change. Like Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it takes, I feel like it takes a little bit of time though. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Generally, um, I mean, there's not like specific, specific data about this, but generally we would say like this happens around two to three months where the cries become more specific. And it happens accidentally, really. So what happens is the kids are born and if they have the vocal apparatus and they have the correct muscles for that, then they have the crying, right? And so they'll make crying sounds within the first couple months. And 
slowly these sounds start to get shaped by how the parents react, right? So if your kid starts to cry a certain way and you give, or he makes one sound and you give him a bottle, like our kids start to learn like, okay, this sound, she comes quicker with the bottle than if I make a different sound. Okay. So it's just reinforcing essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Reinforcement. Yep. I make this sound and I get what I want quicker than when I make any other sound. And so then it starts to develop and then the cries become more specific. And then eventually at like six, seven, eight months, uh, our kids start pointing or they start gesturing to items. And then they start pairing that with their vocal sounds as well. And they find out like, oh, if I do this and I point to the milk, she gets the milk straight away. Like I don't have to wait too long. So they start to get um, more and more mands is what we would call them. So we would call the sounds that they make a mand and we would call the gesturing and the pointing to items a mand because it serves the same function to get them what they want. Okay. So I know that we're spending a lot of time, but this is kind of the foundation to the rest of the conversation. So why is it important for parents and caregivers to understand verbal behavior as a process? How can this be a useful tool? Typically, in, typ in typically developing children, these different operants will develop on their own. They don't need any extra work. You don't have to understand these for these operants to develop, but it is beneficial to have this understanding of the process of how the language develops so that you can spend extra time trying to help these develop in the early years. And so that you can know like, okay, my kid is six months at this point. Uh, I should be helping them develop more of their sounds, or I should be helping them uh, figure out more like how to point to things or how to get the things that they want. And you can use this to just further help them. They're going to get it anyway, because in typically developing children, this just happens. You don't have to understand it for it to happen. But if you do understand it, you can be a big help. All right. And that is the perfect lead into, so how can we use books for this to be a big help? How can we intertwine books and reading to our children with this knowledge that verbal behavior is a process and language is developing through very specific stages in their lives? How can we blend the two together? So you can take this and you can read and you can pick like, okay, with my kid today, I want to help them be able to identify things. And so you can read through the book and you don't have to read the words that are written on the book. You can go through and you can point to a book and you can be like, oh, that's an apple. And you can get them to try to echo the apple. So there you're working on the tact and the echoic. And you can turn the page and you can be like, oh, tell me a type of fruit. And they can say apple. And then you're helping them with the interverbal as well. So you can go through and you can help develop their understanding of things through these verbal operants so that they know like, Apple, they say it when they want it. They say it when they see it. They say it when you say it. And they can say it when they want to talk about it with somebody else. That way, they're developing it across all of the verbal offerings. That's a good example. So it's essentially, yeah, so it's essentially like laying out a formula that from months X to X in a typically developing child, you can focus on reading a book in this sort of way. So it's almost giving like, especially with newborns, you know, how do you read a book with a newborn? This gives you a way that you can actually improve and build their language learning mm -hmm. by specifically focusing on this one type, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if you have an understanding of how language develops, and if you understand these verbal operants, then you'll know and you'll be able to better help your child come to understand things. Because if you view language as just words and you teach them the word apple, just because they can say the word apple doesn't mean they understand what an apple is 
or how to ask for an apple or how to talk about an apple. So if you know the different verbal operants, if you know mand means asking, tact, echoic, intraverbal, textual transcription, if you know all of these, you can target all of these and make sure that your child has an understanding of the word. That way that they're you're not basing their understanding just on how the word looks or if they can read it. You're basing it on this entire view of language. Which is so important because if a child can read, that does not mean that the child is understanding. Exactly. I mean, I read things and I don't understand it and it continues on through adulthood. So this is essentially a way that we can check. Exactly. And we can almost like check the bias to see if they understand yeah. you know, something that we are reading with them or a concept. Exactly. So you could get a book about like um, a llama and you could say uh, they might not know what it is. So you can teach them to tact or to label what it is. And you can make sure that they can also say the word. So you say llama, they say llama. And you can also teach them to talk about the word, intro, the word llama. So an introverbal. So if I say llama, you're going to tell me it's a type of animal. That way they're not just saying, oh, this is a llama, they can look at it, they can say they know the features of a llama, they can ask for a llama if they want to play with a llama, for instance, they can talk about it, they can say what its feature, its function, its class, things like that. So if you can use books in this way to pick things that you want to help further your child's understanding of, and you can run it across all of these verbal operands so that you make sure your child, yes, they do have a clear understanding of what, for instance, a llama. I see this as being something that's incredibly powerful or potentially powerful if we can use it the right way as parents because with a, a really tangible basic noun like llama we can pretty much just naturally tell if they kind of understand it or understand what a llama is and then we can go through this list and really make sure that they understand what a llama is but then you get into more abstract concepts like honesty or charisma or something like a deeper characteristic trait or something that you really want them to understand and you're, that you're trying to instill in them. And it suddenly makes mm -hmm. it this very deep and profound way of communicating with them because you're making sure that you cover all of these bases and you're not just defining a word. Exactly. Yeah. Not that they can just define it, but can they talk about it with somebody else? Uh, can they label it when they see it? Like, can they label a person being honest? And can they label someone being dishonest as well? And can they ask for people to be honest with them? Or can they like tell when someone isn't being honest with them or when they're not being honest with somebody else? It's, if, if you go across all of these, it makes it for, um, you get a much better definition of understanding rather than just saying like, oh yeah, he understands it. You can say, yeah, he can talk about it, he can ask for it, he can label it, and he can say it. Wow. And that's what we want. We want it's spreadsheets great. that we can check all of these. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> this is, I'm not a spreadsheeter. So this is something that I feel I need as many different um, examples that I can possibly have to understand how I can best use this in my personal life. So Sydney has been gracious enough to give us this amazing sheet that is kind of like a handbook or it's a go-to chart <laughs> that we can look at the different verbal operands and it shows an example of what we might be able to say while we're reading a book to our child and then the ages that that sort of operant is most applicable to. So 
you'll be able to get that on our website, onepagepodcast.com. And it will be available to you. Just hit the subscribe button and you can get that for free. So thank you, Sydney. Well, I am so glad, Sydney, that you have joined us to explain about verbal behavior as a process, why it's important to us, and how we can follow and support a baby's natural language development by reading in different ways. And I'm really grateful for the visual that we are have, I think it's going to be a fantastic resource for everyone to look at and to see really tangible uh, applications that you can use with your own child. And you can start today if you want. So I have a question though for you, Sydney, Uh, where can people go to find out more about verbal behavior and about the different verbal operants? Google's always a good resource, but if you want something a bit more specific, um, the Carbone Clinic has a lot. If you go to their webpage, it's just thecarboneclinic.com. You can go there and they have a lot of resources set up there. If you want to look into more, it's, it's the VB map. I suggest people look into that. It's written by Mark Sundberg and he really breaks down the basics of language and development and about what milestones and what ages about these things develop. And so if you want really specific information, I suggest looking into that. It's a really great resource. Wonderful. And we will have those things in the show notes and on the blog on the website. So Sydney, before you go, we like to try and take one thing away from each interview that we can apply in our lives, maybe even starting this week. So if you had one recommendation for something about verbal behavior for parents listening, what would it be? I think, I mean, I have many, many suggestions, but I think the main one to take away from this is that environment has a huge effect on the development of language. And uh, you as a parent, or even like as a friend or as a grandparent or anything, have um, the ability to help grow your child's language uh, just by interacting with them. Simply reading a book with them can help grow their language and uh, help them have better understandings of the worlds around them, which don't we all want that? Yes, I definitely want that. I want that for me too. I want it for for everyone. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you very, very much, Sydney. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. It was very lovely. And I really appreciate what y'all are doing here. I think it's amazing. And it's going to be so helpful. Uh, Thank you. Well, We scratched the surface, but I think we did it well. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a wonderful interview. It it really was. It was such great information in such a short amount of time. I really want to print off the document, keep it near the books. When I'm reading things like, you know, like Moo, I can refer back to it. I can use it. Great. I thought that it was actually really good. So sometimes I get overwhelmed with a lot of new information when I'm learning about something new. And so if I hear too much about it, I kind of shut down and I'm like, okay, that was nice, but it's too much. I'm not, I'm not ready to delve that deep or dig that deep. And so for me, I thought that it was perfect to give me this capsule of information and to pique my interest and to catch my interest. And then I can now go with that information and I can look into it in a way that will kind of cater to my learning style and my um, desire for how much I want to learn. So I thought it was just perfect. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that that right there. Uh, no, I mean, it is a really in-depth topic and it's, I mean, it's how we learn language. Of course, that's complicated and complex. So I'm glad that we have had this introduction 
to something and it really does. I mean, full disclosure, this is the second interview that I did with Sydney on this topic. And the first one ran for almost two hours and we knew that we had to consolidate that down and kind of make it more bite-sized so that it isn't so overwhelming. But in that process, I hope that it is encouraging or interesting to look more into it. And if you are interested, please look at the resources that she recommended and that'll be on the website again. And go subscribe to our email list and we will send you right away the PDF file of a really great resource that you can use to help your kids learn and understand and develop their language skills, no matter where they are age-wise and kind of understanding-wise. Thanks for joining us here at One Page at a Time. We'll talk to you next week.